Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning, to be with you, to worship with you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Ortiz, uh, one of the pastors here. And, and uh, if we haven't met, please, you could do me a favor, introduce yourself to me afterwards. Uh, I would love to meet you, and it's my hope that you feel uh, at home here. Uh, we have been going through a series on, on the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're, top, we're, we're addressing a topic that hits closer to home than we might realize at first. We're addressing the issues of, of dishonesty and lies and truth spinning, um, stretching the truth, withholding truth, manipulation. It's all wrapped up in this issue of dishonesty. Now, I have a question for you. Who here gets angry when you think that your mechanic is lying to you? No one? <laughs> I think everyone's been there. And it also feels like you found a unicorn if you find an honest mechanic. Who here would be frustrated if you found out your doctor was just telling you one to hear because he didn't want to give you bad news? Yeah. All of us. We want our doctors to shoot straight with us. I think we all have had people lie to us or spin the truth, withhold the truth, play angles with the truth. I don't think that there's anybody here be like, it's not a big deal. It affects us, right? And we get angry. We all do. So my question is, if we're all angry about lies and dishonesty... Why do we tell lies and are dishonest ourselves? <laughs> the consequences are serious. The consequences are far more da uh, damaging than, than we think. People get hurt. And Jesus is saying the same thing to us in this passage this morning. He says, I expect my followers to tell the truth and be honest. Lies, he's teaching us, lies and dishonesty are serious, far more damaging than you think, and people get hurt. Now, Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount by telling us what the blessed life looks like, right? And in this section of the sermon, he draws on the Ten Commandments, and he's explaining the full implications of what they mean. And today, Jesus draws from the Ninth Commandment, which is, do not bear false witness. Now, on, on, in each negative commandment, like do not do this, there is a, a positive on the flip side of it, and the positive side to do not lie is live a life of integrity. Speak the truth. Now that sounds simple enough, right? Do we really need the Bible to tell us that? What do we need the Bible for? Most people believe that. Most people think that it's not good to tell lies and it's good to tell the truth. But we need the Bible because most people still lie regularly, more than they admit, even to themselves. Some of you here, maybe many of you here, have been burned by people who did not keep their word. They said they were going to do something, they didn't do it, and it brought pain into your life. Maybe it was somebody close to you. And this morning the wounds are still he healing. 
Others of us might, might just lie all the time and think it's not really a big deal. No one's getting hurt. We're blind to the damage that we're causing. We tell ourselves lies that we don't lie. Others of us might be caught up in a major lie that grew out of control. We're trying to hold it together, but now it's unraveling and we just don't know what to do. This last week on on Netflix, I I watched a documentary about Lance Armstrong called The Armstrong Lie. Anybody here see that yet? Just one of you. It's new. Man, I had no idea how deep the lies went. I had no idea how committed he was to this major fabrication. I had no idea how many lives around the world that his lie caused, how much damage it caused to their lives. And when he finally confessed in an interview with Oprah, Oprah asked him, did did it feel wrong while you were lying? And his answer was, at the time, no. Now here's the thing. If a giant mountain of lies that go around the world doesn't convict you as they pile up, think about how easy it is for us to let the little lies we tell and white lies we tell slide. Jesus shows us that we're far more dishonest than we realize. And his words in this sermon on the mount are challenging, but his words are meant to bless us. And so here's what I want to ask from all of us here this morning, including me. I want all of us to prayerfully listen to what Jesus is teaching here and to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the the dishonesty and our inclination for dishonesty that is in our heart. I pray that we all can see the damage that it causes and that we're compelled to seek healing and restoration. So, together, let's prayerfully listen as we go through this. Will you do that? There are three parts to this this message, three main questions. And the first question, if you're you're following along in, uh, in your notes, with your notes, the first question is, what does Jesus say? About honesty. Now what Jesus is doing here is he is correcting a culture. Especially, especially the religious culture of the day. Because vows and oaths were being greatly abused there. And especially by the religious leaders. Lies and dishonesty became normal. The damage that it caused became normal. And Jesus is not going to stand for that. And so Jesus says... We need to talk. We need to address that. And he begins in verse 33 when he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Jesus is referring to a couple of different passages, one in Leviticus, one in Numbers. And the one in in Leviticus says, um, the Lord is speaking, he says, You shall not swear by my name, and so profane the name of of your God, which is, I am the Lord. And the passage in Numbers says, if a man avows a vow to the Lord and swears an oath to bind himself 
by a pledge. He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Now, here's what was happening in Jesus' day, and definitely what Jesus was addressing, was that the religious leaders there created loopholes for these commands to keep your word. They created loopholes just like we do, consciously or subconsciously. And the religious leaders then taught that an oath was not binding if you did not invoke or include include God's name or imply it. But if you swore by your own life or someone else's life, like your mom's life or your kid's life or whoever's life, no big deal, you can break your oath. In the Jewish teaching found in the Mishnah, there is a section of regulations for oaths and vows. And in those regulations, they made distinctions. Swearing by Jerusalem or toward Jerusalem, by the temple or the gold of the temple, by the altar or the gift on the altar, and one or the other determined whether or not you had to keep your word. And the swearing of oaths degenerated so much that no one's word meant anything. Jesus points out the obvious, how absurd this is, and he corrects it. And what he does here is that he removes the artificial barrier between making vows in God's name and making vows not in God's name. And he says, whatever you say, whatever you promise uh, to, to others, whatever you swear by, God is always, always a witness. He says, whether you swear by heaven or earth or Jerusalem or your own head, God is your witness. Like a husband having an affair before he brings his mistress into his room and turns his wife's picture over because it reminds him of how wrong it is, and he doesn't want to feel like she's witnessing the affair. Jesus tells us, you cannot turn God's picture over. God is always, always present. Psalm 139 says, there is no place where God is absent. And so here's here's how we live. And it's more common than we think. We live as if God doesn't see our lives or our hearts. We live as if God doesn't exist. So often we live as functional atheists. We say we believe in God, but our lives don't reflect it. If we were really believed that God, if we believed 100% every moment of every day that he is with us, that God is real, that he sees us, we would be so much more to we would be so much more committed to our word, right? We'd be so much uh, more deliberate in the way that, that, that we live. Now, I want to I make a distinction. I think it's an important distinction. A distinction between uh, religious compliance and gospel obedience. Religious compliance is a burden. It burdens you, and then you end up burdening everybody around you. 
And it's the attitude that says, you know, I better watch what I say because God will know, you know, that I lied or whatever, and he'll blast me with a lightning bolt. I got to be careful. And we have this fear of condemnation. And, and reality is we're, we're not telling the truth for God's glory. We're just telling the truth to save our own backside. And, and we're afraid constantly. It's all about us and not about God at all. But when you believe the gospel, when you believe the good news of Jesus, that Jesus Christ lived and died for you and gave his righteousness to you, his perfect righteousness to you as a gift, you end up loving God and caring deeply about honoring him and obeying him out of love. You know, my wife Shannon has shown me so much unconditional love that has made me love her even more. And because of that, I don't ever want to dishonor her or undermine our relationship. There is built-in accountability in my relationship with Shannon that is not based on, on fear that I'll lose something, but based on the love that I have for her. It's, it's a different kind of accountability. It, it, it is a, an accountability and a type of fear that is rooted in, in love and respect. Now Jesus here is saying, in our relationship with God, there is built-in accountability. And he is saying that God is always with us, but he also always loves us and is always our witness. And so there is no need to make an oath. In verse 37, he says, let what you say be simply yes or no. If you say that you're going to do something, yes, I'll do it, sure, I'll do it. And then you don't do it. What happens? Trust falls apart, right? And it undermines the relationship. We've not followed through with our word, and, and then we know that we can't be trusted, and so then we'll swear that this time we'll do it because we really mean it, right? Well, Jesus tells us that his followers should not need to give oaths because they should always be telling the truth and being honest in the presence of God. Now, before moving on, you might have a couple of questions like, if Jesus didn't want his disciples to make oaths, why do we see in the Bible that God makes oaths? In Hebrews 6, God confirms his promise to Israel with an oath. In Genesis 22, he said to Abraham, by myself I have sworn that I will surely bless you. In Genesis 9, God swore that he would never send another flood to destroy the earth. Why does God do something that he tells us us not to do. In John Stott's commentary, he says that it is not to increase his credibility, but to produce and confirm our faith. Stott writes this, God does not take oaths because his credibility is doubtful, but because we, having told and heard so many lies, have learned to be doubters. We are accustomed to breaking our word and having others break their word to us. Therefore, God knows that we need assurance of his reliability. So for our sake, he takes an oath to guarantee his word. 
Second question you might have is, what does this mean for us today in our world? Is Jesus saying we should never, ever take any oaths? Ever? If so, that's a little confusing because Jesus himself spoke under oath in Matthew 26 when Jesus was arrested and brought before Pilate. The high priest says to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you're Christ, the Son of God. Jesus responds not by saying, sorry, I can't give an oath. But instead, under oath, he says, yes, it is how you say. What Jesus is teaching in our passage is that his followers who are honest and truthful don't need to resort to oaths. He's not teaching that they should refuse to take an oath if required by some external authority. John Calvin, Martin Luther, and others distinguish between public speech and private speech. And in, in private, everyday, today, lives with people, don't give oaths, just let your yes be yes. But in public speech, in public speech, since God himself took oaths for the sake of doubting listeners, we can take oaths for the sake of doubting listeners. It often shows our witness and our commitment, like in our wedding vows, for example, or vows we might make to our church, or vows we, we might make to, to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, or, or the promises that we make in, in business contract. We, we take oaths as a witness before the world. So that's what Jesus is teaching here. And it leads to our second main point, our second main question, which is, how does this apply to us in our hearts, in our lives? Well, there, there are two questions we need to ask, and the first one is this. What are the different ways that we are not truthful and honest? Maybe you might think you're the most honest person in the world. Um, we'll see you by the time we get through this. One commentator said, we rarely take a shotgun and blast a hole through the truth, but we do slay the truth with a thousand paper cuts. All the little lies, white lies, twisting, we think are no big deal. I'll list a few examples. Exaggeration. Our stories be somehow become better than reality. We're more awesome than we really are. Like fishing stories. We all have our version of fishing stories. It might not include fish at all. Anything come to mind the way you exaggerate to get glory or maybe approval or for people to like us? Another way we exaggerate is we say things like, you always or you never. Like, you always nag, or you always say no, or you never do what I ask, or you never let me do what I want. Anything come to mind? You know what that exaggeration is. That kind of exaggeration right there is blatant manipulation to get control, to get something that you want. Second, we tell white lies. 
I'd love to, but I'll be out of town when you're not. I can't because I'm busy when you're not. You just hope you'll be busy. White lies. I remember when I was a kid hearing a Sunday school sing-along album, and one of the songs was called Tell the Truth. Tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. The opening line and chorus said, stretching the truth is telling a lie. Then, angels are honest, that's why they can fly. <laughs> right after saying stretching the truth is telling a lie, they stretch the truth. See how easy it is? Even when you're trying to teach somebody about lies, you end up lying. That's why we have to be so careful and deliberate, examining our hearts and look for it, because it just comes out, right? Third, flattery. We flatter people when we want something from them. That's why every pickup line in the history of pickup lines, I mean, that's what they're all about. Most people think that pickup lines are Stupid, but we still, all of us still use them. It just sounds different. We tell people what they want to hear to get something from them. And last, I would call fearful niceness or a, a, a niceness, being nice, fueled by fear. You're too afraid to tell someone the truth. I mean, if we were to afraid to tell our kids the truth about the dangers of this world or dangers of certain decisions or things that they want because we want to just be a friend and not a parent, we will ruin our kids. If I were too afraid to tell you the truth about the destructiveness of our dishonesty, uh, destructiveness of not keeping our word, telling the truth, I would be hurting you and not helping you. And we must speak the truth but it has to be convincingly done in love. Those are some ways that we're all dishonest, but on top of the big fat lies we might tell. The second question is, what's the big deal? Well, the Bible says that this is a sin issue, and sin always deconstructs, tears apart, and destroys. It destroys Society, our identity, and our relationships. Imagine living in a society where people are constantly suspicious of each other at work, at school, at church. No one trusted anyone. No one keeps a promise. No contracts were honored. All leaders lie. Every judge, every teacher, every preacher was a fraud. Lies and dishonesty build societies like that, contribute to societies like that, and destroys community. And it destroys our true identity. We, we, we live in fraud and deception, and when we do, we, we lose all sense of who we really are. If we're living a lie, we begin to believe it. It's not even who you really are. And when those close to you find out that you've been living a lie, they don't even know who you are anymore, right? And it destroys relationships. When we lie to someone, when we withhold the truth or spin it 
You know what we're doing to the person or the people we're lying to? We are exploiting them. We are taking advantage of them. Whether you're lying to your kids or lying to your parents or your friends or your teachers or your bosses or the IRS. This is a sin issue. And sin always deconstructs, tears apart, and destroys. And Jesus wants to save us from that. He wants us to experience blessing. He's telling us this, telling us this because he loves us. In verse 37, Jesus says, Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Your translation, other translations say, the evil one. And it could be translated either way, but if you think about what Jesus is getting at, it takes us back to Genesis 3. When sin first entered the world, the serpent goes to Adam and Eve, and what's the serpent do? He twists the truth. John 8, Jesus says, Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. So here's what that means. To not tell the truth, to spin the truth, to withhold the truth, it is evil, and it comes from the evil one, and you are being used by the evil one to deconstruct and to destroy. That's the bad news. You ready for some good news? The good news is this, that Jesus came to reconstruct, heal, and renew. That takes us to our last point, our last question, which is, why do we need the gospel? In other words, why don't I just get up here and say, tell the truth, the Bible says, tell the truth, don't lie, you're dismissed. And sprinkle in a few funny stories or something. That's how a lot of preaching goes. But we need the gospel. Because the gospel is not just how we are saved into the kingdom of God. The gospel is about how we make all progress in the kingdom of God. It's not what just saves us, it's what changes us. We need the gospel because trying harder is not enough. doesn't mean there won't be effort involved. I'm telling you, trying harder is not enough. Jesus told us earlier that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Is he exaggerating? Is he lying? Is he stretching the truth? And then he goes on to say, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus throws down the gauntlet. He raises the bar and he says, here's what it means to follow me. And your response should be, I can't do that. Not on my own. And that's the truth. Jesus came to us not to just, he's an example, but he did not come to us to just be our example, but to be our substitute, to live the Sermon on the Mount for us and to give us the credit for that, to die for us, for us not living it. To, he came to pay the price of us not living, us, living it and then give us the credit for that too. Here's the deal. Without Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount will crush us. But with Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount is a joyful response to his life-giving grace. 
so we follow him, we're loyal to him, we obey him, we honor him in every area of our life with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength, with all zeal, with all the effort we have because he's worth it and we love him because he first loved us. In Matthew 15, Jesus says that the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and actually goes on to say, and this defiles a person. Lying is a heart issue. We're afraid and we don't want to be criticized or attacked or lose something that we want. So we tell people what they want to hear or we want them to hear. We fear consequences of paying a hard price if we admit to something. We want people to like us. And you know what this means? That there are a lot of nice people out there, a lot of well-meaning people out there who can still be guilty of deception and fraud. That's why we need the gospel to change us. The good news tells us that that even though we do not keep our word, God does. The whole Bible can, can be understood as God making good on his promise. In the beginning, God makes a covenant. He takes a vow. He makes an oath, a promise that he will bless those who do not deserve to be blessed. He makes a promise that he'll restore the brokenness in our hearts filled with lies that we don't even see and heal us from our sin. And one day he will redeem and renew absolutely everything, our society, our identity, all of our relationships. And so when Jesus shows up and does what he does, it means that God kept his word. And he backed up his word with the cross. When Jesus was arrested in Matthew 26, Pilate asked him under under oath, are you the son of God? And knowing full well that speaking the truth would lead to paying a great price, Jesus Christ said yes. And he paid the ultimate price for telling the truth and for being the truth. He paid the price for our sin especially our sin of dishonesty. He paid the price because God keeps his word. You know, here's the beauty of the gospel. God knows everything about you. He knows the lies that you tell, the lies in your heart, subtle manipulation, the deception. He knows my heart, the way, all the different ways I do those things. And he still loves us. When we know that we have absolute security in God and absolute approval in God because of Jesus, you know what that does for us? It liberates us and it empowers us to speak the truth. Remember that Sunday school song I told you about? It went on to say, 
Mistakes can easily happen and you'll be tempted to lie. But when you're telling the truth from your heart, I'm telling the problems goodbye. That's not true. It's not the whole truth. It's a half-truth, and the context of the song is actually teaching that if you always tell the truth, nothing bad will happen. It's not true. It's more half-truths from a song trying to teach you about telling the truth. Some problems are avoided with telling the truth, absolutely. But it's also true that telling the truth can be painful. You will, you will experience pain and the problems that come with it. And the evil one knows how heavy that is. And he, the evil one says to you, like Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. And we believe it. And so we lie until we see that Jesus is the truth that sets us free, free to speak the truth in love, free to be people of integrity, to be filled with courage as we face the suffering in this world because we know that God keeps his word. So this morning, let me ask you, are you, are you a follower of Jesus are you living out the truth? Are, are you speaking the truth in love? Are, are you caught up in a lie? Have you asked God to show you the deception in your heart and how easy it is to not keep your word or to spin the truth or just flat out tell a lie? My encouragement to you is let the love and grace and truth of Christ set you free because in him there is no condemnation and he accepts you because his word is true. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. And we thank you that you, tell it, that you love us enough to tell us the hard truths. And we thank you that you don't just smack us around with the truth and say, do it. But you tell us the truth because you want the best for us. You want us to be blessed. And you convince us that your hard truth is out of love for us by sending Christ to the cross. You share your love with us, not only through the truth that you tell us, but also through your actions as you fulfill your covenant to bless people who don't deserve to be blessed. So God, I pray on behalf of our church and on my behalf that you would expose the deceit in our hearts, that you would show us where it is so easy for us to spin the truth or withhold the truth or twist it. 
to get something we want or to avoid paying some kind of price. And God, help us to see the beauty of Christ fulfilling your covenant to liberate us from that sin and to exchange our heart of stone with a heart of flesh, to create in us a new heart and to renew a right spirit in you. God, I pray that you graciously, graciously bring us conviction and give us a thirst for forgiveness so that we may bask in the rest that is ours in Christ because of his grace. God, I pray if there's anybody here that has not trusted you, who does not think that you are truth, God, I pray that you give them eyes to see and courage to trust you and follow you this morning. And God, I pray that we would honor you with lives of integrity and honesty for your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom and the gospel. We pray this in your name.